Thank you for listening to the podcast. This is Sten. I would like to announce that my team in Nashville is looking to add an experienced advisor. This advisor would have approximately four years or more of experience, but more importantly, this advisor is looking for a new challenge. This advisor wants to take the elite path and reject the average path in our industry. In this role, you will work right alongside me growing your business. Together, we will help level up legacy as an organization. If you think you're up for this challenge, you can go to stenmorgan.com backslash apply to answer the questionnaire. Or if you're listening to this and you're thinking of another advisor that could be a good fit, please make that connection. If that advisor becomes an advisor on our team, I will send you a $5,000 referral fee. I'm looking forward to hearing from you. Sten Morgan here. Welcome to the podcast. My brother from another mother, Andy Traub. How are you, friend? Good, bro. Today, we uh, think of this as kind of like a helpline episode. Yeah, we have line. a lot of questions. You're not that much taller than me. I got to put my stool up. I did that on purpose to you. On YouTube, he's not. That's, a, that's, the, that's me, the stool prank where you like wind <laughs> it down You're really low. Check us on YouTube. Or how tall are you? Six four ish. All right, I think it's a little under that. But but what were you listed at when you played basketball? Six four. Were you really? Yeah, they get you. They get you to believe it. No, it's with shoes on. Oh, is your height? So yeah. So yeah, today's like a helpline. We 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 are constantly getting. I had a call like this this morning. I had a call yesterday or an email yesterday. People that reach out and say, hey, guys, lo- love the show or they're an EAN member or like this person. I bought one of your programs and you said, if I'm ever having issues, I should reach out for help. And then we say, absolutely. Amen. And they reach out for help. Some really specific questions. And I got their permission to bring those to everyone. So um, they're just we, we have people that's running into the same issues again and again. And so I said, you know what? I'm going to. I'm going to have Stan answer these things and we'll talk through them because they're, they're doing a good job. Yep. Uh, you know, but they, they, we said, Hey, we're going to set the bar really high for the results you get from our programs. And they're like, okay, well help me get better results. Yep. And I think what we'll talk about today, everyone are, is having these problems to some degree because what's happening is the industry is shifting. So we all played by a different set of rules before, and we are all having to change together. Mm-hmm. Uh, some maybe adapt to it faster than others. Some maybe jump in a little more head first and just trust the process. Others are, why would I let go of what's kind of already working? Right. Um, and so you may, as you're listening, feel any of these questions or say, oh, I'm, I'm experiencing that now, maybe to a bigger degree or less. But just know that's okay. Yeah. Because we're all feeling that. I'm still feeling that when I'm like, hey, with the industry as whole, and we talked to some of the biggest companies out there, still feel that like, hey, this this is still working. Let's just do more of this harder and longer as opposed to really accepting, Hey, a full transition to like, Hey, our industry doesn't always stay the same products are always necessary, but the way we deliver that value to the public is going to always change. But what's funny is every time we fight it. Yeah. And so there's going to be something in you that fights it. And so hopefully these questions and as we dialogue out loud that you can relate to it and also say, okay, I'm going to embrace that I'm feeling that because we all are, but then what's the change I'm going to make? So if you are currently charging for planning, then this is really going to res- resonate with you. If you're not, then it's going to give you a taste of this is what could happen when I start charging, and it's okay. That's right. Right. It's, it's, uh, I remember when, when I started working out again, Sten was like, oh, yeah, you're going to notice this and this. I was like, this hurts. He's like, well, are you doing this right? And I'm like, oh, okay. He's like, yeah, that's just normal. You're just weak. That's why that hurts. <laughs> um, and I don't so, think I said it. Maybe my face said it. No, you said it because okay. we're that good of friends. They're so like, yeah, that's just because you're a weakling, <laughs> but you know, I don't have that problem. Um, so, so again, this, this will resonate with you wherever you're at in, in the process of charging or not charging. But this person, just as a quick background, purchased uh, our How to Charge program. 
uh, went through the materials, and then their issue is they said, "Hey, I've gone two for six, so they're batting, you know, three thirty-three. They're, they're you know, a third of the clients said yes to planning, mm-hmm. and uh, a lot of people might go, "That's awesome, you know, that person's paying them for their ideas, and then on top of that, they're going to get insurance and, and AUM." Um, but our standard is higher than that, so we're like, "Okay, let, let's let's figure out what's going on." And then when I asked these questions, some things came up. So I want to ask these questions of you as well. Yep. So the first is. Um, how early in the process of the conversation with a prospect or how, how quickly do you get to where you're going to present them? How long does it take to present them? Uh, here's how much this is likely going to cost. How long does it take to get their proposal? How many meetings? Mm-hmm. So by the end of the first meeting, you should be setting the stage of, hey, this is how we work with clients. Uh, maybe their experience has told them before, hey, I'm not going to pay for anything unless I buy something. You need to let them know that we work differently than that. Yeah. That... Uh, our time and ideas are what we find are valuable. And what I say to clients are a few points, and this is kind of a big one they usually resonate with, is if if I was the client and my advisor only was paid if they got me to buy something, that wouldn't feel very good. Hmm. I want pure advice. I understand products are important, and we'll get, and I say this, we'll get to that stuff later. Right. But the reason you want to pay somebody, whether you work with me or somebody else, is because you want the best ideas and advice you can get. And if, and if they don't have a dog in the hunt, if they're not having to sell you something in order to get paid, it makes that a cleaner process, in my opinion. And so that's the first meeting conversation language we use towards the end. If I can get enough information, because the goal is to present a few ideas up front that pay for yourself. And if you can do that in the first meeting, going into meeting two, maybe they send you some information between meeting one and two. I believe at the end of the second meeting, you can show them a proposal. Okay, great. If you feel confident. Don't rush it, though. If it takes one more meeting for you to get enough data to realize, wow, I, I was going to undercharge this person, there's bigger ideas that yep. help them say yes even easier, then it's maybe even a meeting three. Okay. So the situation this person ran into is that they presented um, some pricing to some, but they said when they had a business consulting proposal, they went and they shifted to charging an hourly rate because they felt an internal pressure to essentially discount the fee. So they're like, they, they shied away from a minimum fee with a business owner, which mm-hmm. is the last person you should shy away from a minimum That's fee right. at because you have more op- opportunity there. So tell me about this idea of thinking hourly mm. versus this is my minimum fee. Yep. Yeah, it's it's a value-based proposition. I mean, it's uh, if, if you're on the clock with a client, that creates some hesitancy to engage, call, and... Remember, the planning is maybe not the end of the engagement. There's probably some assets under management. There might be some insurance, but you're going to charge enough of a fee that even if they don't do anything else with you, that you're happy with the time you spent. But I know just from doing this long enough that like there needs to be a minimum. Like I know that them being onboarded, the initial meetings, like there's just enough time consumed there that I know we have to say there's an X minimum fee. Some advisors that's thirty five hundred, others five thousand, some it's ten thousand or higher. Whatever your number is for your practice to say. For me to be excited about this client needs to be at least this. The energy spent in the logistics behind trying to track it hourly, yeah. when there's a countless examples of, of, of times where somebody can say, my, you're paying for my knowledge and expertise, yep. that because I'm so good, I can do things a lot faster yeah. than somebody else, yeah. and I don't want to be punished for getting you results. Right. If I can save you $100,000 in an hour, I, I don't want to be punished for that, that and this is a true story, I've worked with some CPAs in the past that because I've worked with them and they weren't very experienced, I paid them more hourly because they charged me to go research things that I asked them about. 
And that was the worst feeling because I was like, well, if I would have chose a different CPA that just knew more, right, I would have paid less. Yeah. So working with you actually cost me more because you had less experience. Right. Yeah. So I find this interesting. And I, the dozens of advisors I talk to on a monthly basis, one-on-one, outside of even just the, the sort of mass communications we have with advisors, those who are charging 1000 1500 2000 even up to 2500 are constantly disappointed mm. in their experience in planning, which is fascinating to me that they're getting paid for their time and they don't like it. They're like, it's just, it's not, it's not scaling. It, the, the relationship feels unbalanced. I feel like I'm undercharging. That is just, I have never had a conversation with an advisor mm. who charged less than 2,500 who said, I feel really good about my pricing. Yep. I just never have. Yep. Right. And so there, his comment was, that he proposes 3000 or an hourly rate if the person seems price sensitive. Mm. And, and, and I just feel like you're opening up so much confusion and variables. And in, it, in yourself, which in turn is going to overflow on them. Yeah. Like, yep. I mean, I, it, just, it just to me, and I don't know if someone is truly that price sensitive. There's two, two situations. One is that you have clearly not done a good enough job communicating your value. Mm-hmm. If you're saying it's $3,000 or I can do hourly, because the only reason they would go to hourly is, oh, it'll be less. That's right. You're going to spend seven hours. That's 2100 I saved $900. Mm-hmm. If you've shown them, here's $200,000 of ideas I can implement mm-hmm. over the next 10 years. There's $200,000 of value. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to charge you $3,000. What person's going to go, what can I get it for 2100 Yeah. Now, your answer and is... And the good well, news is, is if they do, that's something you need to take, you need to recognize. Yeah. Um, that, you know, at times you might recognize, hey, a client needs to go, again, they didn't do anything wrong, you didn't do anything wrong, because somehow the model is not a fit. And if this is the advisor you want to be, you don't get in arguments with somebody about the value of planning ideas. Yeah. Say, okay, obviously this isn't a good fit, and hang in there with them, you know, talk to people, this may be new to them, you want to coach them through it. And we always need to recognize, did we do something wrong? Yep. Could we yeah. have done something better? But from experience, this happens to me consistently. There's people where I'm like, old Sten would have sat here and tried to force this thing. Yep. New Sten recognizes like, oh, okay, there's other good advisors in the world. Like it's not yeah. up to Sten to, to save everybody. Yeah. I don't think we're a good fit. Because there's five people. There's 20 people within 10 minutes of your office right now yeah. that want exactly what you have. They just don't know you exist yet. True story, Lucy, my youngest, who's 11, still knows who Lucy is, so I'm not explaining it to him. He knows who Lucy is. But she's, she, um, you know, I'm not old enough to obviously get a job and such, but she mows some um, yards in the neighborhood. And a lady recently reached out and said, hey, can you mow our yard? And I went to Lucy. I said, do you want to do it? And she's like, no, I don't have the time. <laughs> but the thing was, like, her time was more about, she's like, I'm not, I'm not going to add it on. Because the lady also wanted, like, the lowest rate. And she's like, no, I'm not willing to. A girl. I'm like, my 11-year-old's not willing to compromise on the value of her time. Right? right. And I just think there's a lesson there. It's like you decide your value. And there's so many advisors out there who just said, I'm worth this at a minimum. Yep. And so I would just submit that if someone's really fluctuating on the price with you or just kind of going back and forth, is that you've clearly not communicated the value enough, or that's just a client that is just not willing to pay what you're worth. That's right. And that, and that just happens in business all the time. So... The idea of, and we've we got some more hourly stuff. I, I just, I don't, we don't have. I think have, one thing with hourly, yeah. there's two ways you can go with planning. If you're stuck in this limbo of like, I don't know if I'm worth it. I'm not being able to charge enough. Either you don't think this is valuable yeah. or viable, which I'm telling you is not the case. Like this is the future of the business. There's yeah. more than enough opportunity. 
or you lean into like, and what this is what I appreciate about this person you're coaching is like, he, he even said, based on what you told me, like, I know I need, it's me. Like, yeah. I know this, I know this works. I know people want it. Because think about any other profession. Put yourself in the client's shoes, which I don't think advisors do enough of. You're going into an attorney's office or a CPA's office. And the general vibe you get from them is they don't seem like they have a clear model here. They're giving me a bunch of different ways to pay them. Yeah. Um, when I ask a question, their response is kind of watered down. Sales 101 is you have a direct answer. Like people want to be told what to do because the person is so confident in their model. Yeah. That doesn't mean it's guaranteed to work, but like if I'm in somewhere, I'm like, I'm picking the person that's, I've been there, done that. Yeah. You hire me, you're going to be better off. That's the kind of language we need to be able to tell people in a meeting. And I do today. Yeah. Not because I'm faking it because I just know it to be true. Yeah. And so if, if, if those words aren't coming naturally, there's probably some time spent of saying like, okay, do I really think I'm worth it? Is this person better off on their own online or without an advisor? Or is it my responsibility to present myself in a way that calls them to action? One of the things that for a consumer, uh, a prospect that's never paid for planning, I want you to touch on this again, because one of the things I asked this person was, are you, are you clarifying how you're different from other advisors? And, um, they, they, in the initial meeting, and it says that he, he said he usually goes in the meetings asking questions and listening to their needs and problems, and then sharing pricing or how they work with clients at the end of the meeting. Separate that conversation about pricing and then how we work. Mm-hmm. I, I think that there's this general, like, hey, let me tell you the 15 minutes, or I don't know how long it is, of company history. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's that helpful. No, get rid of that. Okay. That's yeah. what I was going to say, but I'll let you say it. Okay. <laughs> is get rid of it. It's not. They trust you enough to be sitting across from you, respect their time by not going into the history of the company. Yep. But but how you work with people and then pricing. When do you talk and explain, hey, here's how we work and how long does it take you to explain that? Let's start there. Yep. So that's that I open meetings by saying, hey, have you ever worked with an advisor before? And how was that experience? That opens the conversation for me to say, I totally understand. Like that's frustrating too. You want to relate in that like you are also a consumer in other walks of your life. Mm-hmm. Like in here, there's a power imbalance in a meeting and it's like, no, it's like, hey, I've been in that. I felt that too. Like, I understand it's tough when it's like, do you understand is this person just trying to sell me because that's how they get paid? And to be honest, a lot of our business is that way. There's advisors where their benefits, their pension, their trips are tied to them selling stuff. Mm-hmm. And for me, I would be a terrible client for an advisor like that. And this is a language I'm using with a prospect. For me, what I would prefer is an advisor that is paid for great ideas in their time. That they're sole motivation is to help me have better outcomes and not be motivated to sell me stuff along the way. And then I move on. But but there I've already put the line in the sand of like, here's how the industry is mostly. And I'll say this, most advisors operate this way. Right. That didn't fit with me. Right. This is how we choose to operate. Right. And for the right client, it's the best experience they've ever had. So this is, that's the DTR. This is the define the relationship talk. Mm-hmm. And you have to have it, I believe, very early and very succinctly. Yeah. I just had an emotional experience when you said DTR. It just brought up some <laughs> memories. No, I'm kidding. Yeah. Uh, I, I was feel just, like you I were always just, on the other side of that, and I was always on the bad side of that conversation. No, no, dude. Like, I, I, was, I was literally almost about to say a girl's name that it was like my fourth grade crush. But uh-oh. anyway, she's yeah. lovely. Stephanie was her name once. <laughs> nice. Anyway, whenever you got to be line leader, you always got to pick on the girl's line who the girl line leader was, and that was like who the uh, crush was. Biased. Always yeah. Stephanie. Nice. Anyway, I hope you're doing well, Stephanie. I think we're Facebook friends. Um we're so focused on this show. It's great. That's People great. like this though. I think they do. <laughs> and then they tell me they do. So the other part of that is when do you talk about pricing? Because how often Sten, are people saying, great, how much does this cost? Does that come up really in first meeting? Do you bring it up? 
it comes up if I don't mention it at the end of the first meeting where I say, hey, this is how we work. My hope is I'm going to get enough information from you to potentially at the end of our next meeting or potentially the third meeting together to present you with what it would look like for us to work together. And I say that very clearly. We also teach advisors, I wouldn't say this to a prospect, that if you don't get somebody to commit after three meetings, that's a problem. Yeah. You either drug your feet, didn't communicate value, yeah. or they're going to kind of just take your time forever and they're just not ready to take action. Yeah which is fine. A lot of clients just aren't ready yet. Yeah. You need to get better at recognizing, like, is this person ready to take action? If not, I'll put them into some drip funnel, maybe call them every three, six months, somebody on my team, yeah. and we'll move on to somebody else. But yeah, you, you do have to address these things. I think the issue I see with a lot of advisors, and this is what the industry taught me early on, was like, company history, here's how we are, like kind of just... Illustrations. To, to the yeah. client was like, we haven't talked about my main pain point. You haven't added a bunch of value. I trust you enough to be here, but I'm skeptical. Because mm -hmm. I, And I feel like there's a power imbalance, a knowledge imbalance. The, the experience needs to be much different. You will touch these things quickly just so they're addressed. But you want to spend as much time as possible on, like, what do you need? What's your pain point? Gather yeah. data, add value. They're there because they have problems. And they might not even know what all their problems are. But it's like, I'm here because, I mean, imagine going to the doctor's office and you have a known issue. And it's like, well, uh, Stan, thanks for being here. Let me just share with you um, some of our history here of the clinic. Uh, I graduated from Stanford <laughs> in 1984, and uh, my wife and kids uh, have lived in this community, and we don't, it's like, bro, just <laughs> shut up, and I have it a hurts. problem. Yeah, that's right. right. It, hurts. <laughs> it hurts. Now, let's talk about the blood uh, issue. You seem to be bleeding, you know, like, you know, and this is how you pay us, you know, yeah, yeah, <laughs> but it's it translated, like, solve people's problems as quickly as you possibly right. can, and yeah. they will like you. They don't care if you've been in business for 10 minutes or 10 years. That's right how cool your logo is, your website, mm -hmm. solve their problems. Yeah. That will create great, great, deep affinity and trust. Yep. Right. And this approach early in my career helped because I didn't want to necessarily have clients that nobody else wanted. Like for any advisor, we want big clients. Like mm -hmm. We want complex clients because yeah. the revenue is better per client. But I had to go somehow sit in front of an, a client that had worked with a, a Merrill Lynch advisor, a UBS advisor, like these yeah. that, that are... 50-year-old advisors that had this person as a client for 10 to 15 years, like, that's a hard at-bat. You know, that, that's not just like a gimme because they're not willing to shop around. Right. I had to create an experience and do something different. And what I know to be true, because I took a lot of those clients, was those advisors were doing what the industry taught them to do, yeah. and they just did it for long enough to be successful and then maybe got complacent. Yeah. I was able to give them experience, ask different questions, not talk about myself, not rest on my company's yeah. name. It works. Yeah. I got my oil change at a place over here on uh, Mallory the other day. Mm -hmm. uh, we're by the Sonic. We're by the high school. Oh, yeah. And um, I just was, I don't know if I was Googling. I think I asked in my neighborhood Facebook group, like, best place for oil change. Every place I go takes way too long. Mm -hmm. I've got to sit and wait for like an hour for an oil change. But the other places, I feel like they try to sell me everything under the moon. That's right. And they ask me 18 questions and yada, yada. And they're like, go here. And I looked at the Google reviews on this place. I had like 400 positive Google reviews. I'm like, for an oil change place? <laughs> nice. And somebody said, it's the Chick-fil-A of oil changes. And hey. I'm like, okay, I like Chick-fil-A. And I went, and it was just sort of like, oh, you you, you, you perform the same service, but when I leave, I feel good about my decision, mm. right? That's and I true. don't know how many people really feel great about meeting with their advisor. They don't feel like, that was an experience. It was unique, and I want to go tell the people about mm. it, right? That's probably I think more that's like a, a goal. dentist visit. Where yeah. you, you know, you have to do it yeah, once a while. I have to, and that's fine, and I'll do it, but I don't love it, right? I'm not looking forward to it, whereas people go, Hey, Stan, the only time I like talking about money is when I talk about it with you. That's a great compliment. Yeah. Great compliment. So let's wrap up uh, with just a couple more. Um, is it what ideas are you sharing and then illustrating in your initial meeting to create excitement? And their answer was 
Uh, they like to share ideas about estate planning. Um, they have a certain platform they use uh, in getting a trust done. They talk about guardianship for children um, and talked about opportunity zones. Um, I, I, what we teach people is have six to eight you're really comfortable at, and they mm-hmm. could be the simplest. They could be the three buckets, That's right. which would be more of a concept than a strategy. And but, we do de- delineate between concepts and strategies. Concepts are universal, can be plugged in as needed, uh, where strategies are a little more topical. You know, right. If you jump into you know 10 minutes into a meeting, you're already into like complex estate planning. Yeah, I haven't been in many meetings where it's like, that's the only thing I want to talk about. Let's get to that. Like You work your way up to that because it's less now. It's more of, hey, someday we may need this. I choose to, to address what's the pain point today mm-hmm. that will cause them to take action while also saying, hey, by the way, here's something else we'll get to eventually, yeah. and here's the potential of it. Yeah, um, You really yeah. do run a risk if you start with a complex idea because they're like, oh, this person's going to be, this is going to be complex. Because right. what's really simple to you can be really complex to other people. Yep. You know, And what I love is that Andy is able to sit with advisors that we coach and say, more so than I can, a consumer, like, I don't understand the word you just used. Yeah. Like you've lost me. And so just I just get this visual and we've done this with hundreds of advisors. Conservatorship or something like that. And I went, Stop. I don't know what that means. You lost me. Yeah. Right. And we've watched so many advisors get up on the whiteboard and they're doing these things and they're they're energized. The advisors in the room understand a little bit more than the average person would. But a lot of times advisors even lose advisors. Yeah. Because they take it too far and they they put too much up there. We have plenty of time to unpack it and solve all the problems once the engagement starts. We're giving them just enough to pique their interest and show them this is worth it. Yeah. So um, I, I think this person is doing a good job. What's interesting is they're frustrated and they went two for six. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I love that. I love sort of the impatience and the frustration in it. Um, and they said, uh, hey, in answer, they said to in a reply after answering this question, said in answering these questions, I can see how much work I need to do with my process, quantifying and sharing how I'm different with prospects. I'm completely open to change, learning and challenging my process. Andy, uh, I'll continue to review the course in the meantime before we talk. So yeah. I would say this is that a teachable spirit, a humble spirit, mm-hmm. but also a person who's taking action, yep. you want to get better, do stuff. You have sure. to be willing to be bad at something before yeah. you're good at something. Some people come out of the womb and they're good at something. That's pretty rare. <laughs> That's right. Most of the yeah. time, the thing we do for the first time, we're not really good at, yep. but you can get good at it. Yep. And I'm going to tell you, friends, that if you're willing to be teachable and humble and changeable, that these tweaks can happen very, very, very quickly, mm-hmm. and you will see... Two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight x results yep. from just making some changes. Yep. And let me, I don't want our listeners to ever be able to say that Sten kind of held back. When it comes to this model, it is coming. It is the future. And it works. And there are people out there that want it. And so for most advisors we coach, if they are not having success in this, it's a, it's a them problem. Mm-hmm. And so that's not, you know, me trying to be rude. It's encouraging to say. It's fixable. It's fixable. And it's yeah. all within your control because we know so many advisors we work with that it's like it works, it works, it works. So it's not that these are advisors in these like magical pockets of people that want this. Yeah, it, it it's it'll work if you stick with it, make the adjustments. No doubt, any advisor that adopts this model and then they realize like, oh, I get more AUM and insurance opportunities yeah. than I ever did. Plus, I add six figures to my business, which allows me to hire people and have better office yeah. space. Like, it is there. And so, if those limiting belief days when the head trash gets overwhelming. That's one reason we love advisors join our community is because we check that stuff. Yeah. It's like, okay, remember this works. Remember, yeah. hey, when this person said that, like, call us, let's work through it because it's a matter of time if you stick with it and is way better than the average path. You can Absolutely. make decent money in this business if you want to, 
but in my mind, it is just it is not as fun. It's not as impactful as the model that we're helping advisors take on. Awesome. Thank you, Sam. Thanks, bud. 